Welcome to Ask a Wayfinder, an advice and mindfulness podcast for all those who are seeking, those who are stuck, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Dana Wheelis. I'm a meditation teacher and a life coach in Central Virginia, and I have a fascination with helping people find their true passion in their lives. Sometimes that means getting past obstacles in places where they're stuck. Frequently, the places where we have the most suffering are the places that can provide us insight that take us to the places we've always wanted to go. You might be asking yourself, what is a wayfinder? That term was coined by an anthropologist named Wade Davis to describe the ancient navigators of the Pacific Islands. These were people who were able to read ocean currents so thoroughly that they could find land simply by watching the change in the wave swells as they came against the hull of their small craft. One of my teachers, the amazing Martha Beck, adapted that word to describe wayfinders as people who were able to help others find their way to their lives' real purpose. These were menders, healers, and seekers, all of who studied the human soul and have dedicated their lives to teaching others how to calibrate their joy compass and embrace their own true nature. I prefer to call myself a wayfinder rather than, say, a life coach, because my role is not to hold you accountable to a to-do list or to tell people how to be super rich and famous. I like to think of myself more of as a guide, someone who can help you get to know aspects of yourself you never realized were there. Wholeness is healing, and we can't live our best lives unless we understand what we're about and what we want. I decided to make this podcast because I absolutely adore advice columns. Dear Sugar, Dear Prudence, Captain Awkward, you name it, I have followed it at some point. And I love teaching meditation. This podcast is my experiment in combining the two. Although this is an audio advice column, and I'll be fielding questions from listeners, I don't approach this project as if I have all the answers for everyone in the world. Instead, my plan is to offer my thoughts on the issue they're wrestling with, and then give them some tools that could help them and anyone else out there listening who might be struggling with something similar to get a deeper sense of what might be driving the situation. Although I do teach meditation in the classic sense of the word, I firmly believe that meditation isn't just about sitting on a cushion and watching your breath for a certain amount of time. It's really about self-exploration. It's a way to see the patterns of your thoughts and to get underneath those patterns of thoughts to understand the root of whatever issue you're facing. There can be many anchors for your consciousness, as we say in the mindfulness world. They can be sound, they can be your body. There can be so many ways to tap into the wisdom of your body and mind. And so that's what this podcast is all about, a way to combine two things that I love and hopefully help some people out there who are struggling with career issues or relationship issues and help them find their way. So with all that said, let's turn to our very first question. Dear Wayfinder, ever since I can remember, I have used food to de-stress. At the end of a long work day, I feel this immense sense of release and letting go of the day. As soon as I can sit down with dinner, followed by a second helping of dinner, followed by dessert. Sometimes I eat to the point of feeling stuffed. This is a 20 plus year habit. I want to change it. I had ideas for other ways to de-stress 
short exercise, a bit of meditation, looking out the window, reading a bit. The problem is I work so hard during the day that I am on autopilot by the end. I have little to no willpower at that point to try to change this habit. The cycle sucks. Each morning I resolve to be different. Each evening I fail. And then the next morning I resolve again with increasing resignation that nothing will ever change. The one additional thing. I have a new motivation to change now. I learned this habit from watching my mom. And I have a daughter now. I don't want to pass it down. So, any advice on how to change a deeply ingrained habit when you are low on willpower? Signed, New Mom versus Old Habits. Oh, New Mom, I feel you. I don't think there's anyone on this planet who has not experienced promising yourself to be better the next day and then finding yourself falling into the same patterns. So whenever we're stuck in a cycle where we keep doing the same thing over and over again, it usually means that there are two parts of us that are at war with each other. And when I say parts, I mean that we might have a self that we give a name, and this is the self that we present to the world. So for example, I am Dana. But I also have a number of different voices in my head that reflect my conditioning, voices from my parents, from my teachers. These are all parts of me that I like to imagine sitting at a conference table and deciding where Dana will go next. Some of these parts are still stuck in trauma, perhaps from childhood, or from situations that were transformational for me. And when those start driving the bus, or to go back to the early metaphor, taking over the conference room, they can be really powerful, but they make decisions that our adult self, um, with all the wisdom of all the other parts, wouldn't necessarily choose. They're usually a sign that deep within us is a need that is not being met. That need could be love, it could be connection, it could be safety. But the best way to break out of cycles like this is to make sure that you figure out what that need is and then find out how to meet it. Frequently we think that we have to have something outside of us help us meet our needs. But the truth is, once we're really clear on what the need is, we can make decisions that lead us to the right people or we can make decisions to take care of ourselves in a way that helps those wounded child parts grow up and helps them feel comforted and safe and able to relax and let the other more adult parts of us make the decisions that we want to make to be happy and healthy in our lives. I think it's safe to say that all of us at some point in our lives have struggled with what feels like a compulsion, whether it be food or sex or shopping, chocolate, you name it. And these compulsions are usually our body or our subconscious trying to get a certain need met that it's not getting met. And frequently, it's not necessarily about the choice of compulsion. Um, those are compensation patterns, whether it be food or shopping. 
These are the things that we have found that give us that dopamine hit, that give us that feeling of security that the need has been met. But they're not necessarily indicative of the whole issue. They are just a signpost saying, hey, I'm suffering and I need attention. And so the best way to address these sorts of compulsive behaviors in our lives is to dig underneath, is to dig in and start to ask, what is this need that's not being met? And how can I meet it in a way that makes the whole of myself, all of my parts, feel good about who I am and what I'm doing in this world? And so I have an exercise I'd like to lead everyone through, which is meant to give you a more expansive sense of self, first of all, um, but it also will help you get out of any sort of struggles where you've got mind against mind. It's a way of trying to call a ceasefire when you're facing a war within the self. So I'm a somatic coach, which means that I think a lot about the body and I work with the body. I don't believe that our bodies are just vehicles for our amazing brains. I, I believe strongly that there is wisdom in our body and that we are at our best when our body-mind is working in concert. We have neurons in our brains, but also in our hearts and in our guts. So let's make use of all the tools we have available to us. And so because of that, I'm going to ask you to make this more concrete than just imagining it in your head, holding hands, palms up in front of you. I want you to start with your right hand and we're going to try to tap into the left side of the brain, which is the more verbal and logic oriented side. And I want you to imagine you can hold in the palm of your hand in front of you the part of you that is telling you to do things right and try to be, make it as vivid as possible. So what is it wearing? What does she look like? What does he look like? What, what's the posture of this part? How old is it? Um, does it remind you of anyone else? Um, what's the voice sound like? What's it saying? When you think about the situation of coming home and not feeling like you can really relax until you've had food and as much food as you can take, imagine this part and ask it what it has to say to you about this cycle you're in. I like to call this part the dictator because it's kind of a tyrant. This is the part that criticizes you. This is the part that asks you, why are you doing this? Why can't you stop this? The dictator or the tyrant is rigid and really upset and it's pretty sure there's something really wrong with you. So just sit for a moment and imagine that you can get a clear image of this dictator who lives in your mind and is talking to you every moment of every day. Now I want you to turn your attention to your left hand. So imagine in this hand is another part of you. And this, this part is definitely a child. This is the part of you that wants to keep doing what you're doing. Staying in the compulsive place, eating the extra food or the chocolate or binge watching the TV show. 
whatever it is that you just can't stop doing day after day. I want you to vividly imagine this child who is really, really young, pre-verbal, practically raised by wolves. This child is very needy. It doesn't get any of your attention at all unless it acts out. It's lonely, it's cold, and it just wants something that feels good. Now, with the two of these parts visualized in your hands, just kind of watch them interact with each other. Watch as this tyrant, this dictator, yells at this poor wild child. And then it just makes the poor child want even more of what soothes it. The dictator gets louder and louder until there's just this nightmare scenario of antagonism playing out in front of you. The only thing stronger than the dictator is your poor, wild, needy child. Remember, this war, this is what's playing out in your head all the time. Try to summon some kindness for the two of them, even though I know it's hard to really visualize and imagine this going on inside your head. These, both these parts, they're both exhausted. The dictator is tired of yelling, and the wild child is just so tired and worn out from being yelled at, just because it wants to soothe itself. Everybody just wants peace. Both of these parts have good intentions. If you think about it, the dictator wants to control something for good reason. It wants you to be healthy. It wants you to listen to your body. The wild child is just so young. It's so confused. And it just knows that certain things make it happy, while other things make it feel terrible. So experience compassion and empathy for both of these parts of you. Imagine that you can offer them both kindness, and you can look at both of them at the same time, and maybe even send them some love. Tell both of them, I want you to be well. I want you to be safe. I want you to be happy. Watch as maybe the posture and the actions of each part soften, perhaps, or calm as you are able to offer them safety and compassion and love. So letting all of this play out in front of you, take a moment to realize, in this scenario, who are you? You aren't the dictator, the one yelling at yourself all the time. And you're not the wild child either. You know how to meet your needs. You, you are the witness. You have the capacity to love and find equanimity. You are so much more than the war going on in your head. From this place of expansiveness, of integrating both these parts as you, but not the sum of who you are, I want you to get really, really quiet and ask the wild child, what do you really need? How can I make you feel better in a way that doesn't anger the dictator? And get real quiet for a moment and see if an answer bubbles up. And don't grasp for it. Just sit with it for a moment 
And just imagine as vividly as you can this part speaking to you and telling you what it needs. Then do the same for the dictator. What do you need? How can I help you relax and trust me so you don't need to get angry and scared and yell? See what bubbles up as you sit in this quiet space. And whatever it is that comes up, no matter how weird or ridiculous, promise yourself that you will dedicate yourself to self-care from the place of the watcher, not from the parts. You have to show them both that they can trust you and that you will meet those needs. They've both been very vulnerable with you, these parts that we've imagined as separate but also part of you. And so you have to honor them by taking them very seriously. One of the things I love about that exercise is that we always need that extra reminder of the bigness of who we are and that we are not the voices in our head. And I find that when I'm really stressed out, I'm thinking in such small terms. My vision narrows, my perspective narrows, and I really can't see beyond what's happening right now. And my inner dictator, or I like to call her my inner critic, she can get really loud and I have, and sometimes I forget that she's not me. And so this exercise is wonderful to revisit whenever that inner critic is really loud because it helps you understand how that critic is trying to help you, even if it really doesn't feel like it at all. And so New Mom versus Old Habits, I hope gave you a chance to really tap into what's going on. Before I go, I, I have one more thought um, just to share. Children really are a great opportunity for self-awakening. And not just because we want to be our best selves for them or help them grow in healthy ways. Um, children are also a great reminder to us of the fundamental aspects of our own selves that might have been acculturated or indoctrinated out of us. Somewhere along the way, the world taught all of us some pretty harsh lessons. Lessons about life being hard work, that our value as people come from how much we contribute um, and how much of ourselves we give to our work. These lessons sometimes are what fuel the voice of the dictator they tell us that if we don't put in 1,000% to any given project, we'll somehow be unworthy. And really, most of our suffering boils all the way down to a fear that we will not be loved and accepted and safe in this world. So I invite you to let your daughter be a teacher for you about the nature of play and rest. Compared to adults, young kids are masters at listening to and obeying their bodies. They play until they need to rest, and they rest until they feel like playing. I noticed in your letter that you said that you go full tilt during the day for your work, so much so that you feel like you're on autopilot. Why is that? Is there a way you can soften? Is there a way that you can preserve 
throughout the day a safe and, and happy place within you that is playful so that when you get home at the end of the day, you still have reserves of energy left for yourself and for your family. Speaking metaphorically, is there a way that you can feel full from your life, not just from the food? How could you appease the lost little child within you with play, with self-indulgence, with whimsy or enchantment all throughout the day, not just at specific times where it's sanctioned by the world? Now, I realize that this is going to be a kind of practice for you and for many of us who are listening to this, because that kind of perspective on life is not culturally sanctioned. And there's a lot out there, whether it's your job or your obligations, that's going to tell you that you should buckle down, work harder, be better. But there's a wisdom to what your wild child is telling you. And that wisdom will help you be more creative and feel more comfortable with yourself. It's so worth it. It doesn't happen right away because you've got many, many years behind you where you did align with the dictator voice and you kind of ganged up on the wild child. She might be wary. But if you always remember to treat your inner child with the kindness, love, the patience and nurturance that you show your own daughter, you'll begin to love your life 24 hours of the day, not just after quitting time. And so this concludes the first episode of my first podcast, Ask a Wayfinder. I'm Dana Wheelis, and you can learn more about my work as a coach and meditation teacher at my website, DearHawkHealing.com. That's deer as in the animal, hawk as in the bird, healing.com. All one word. Do you have a question you'd like to be answered on Ask a Wayfinder? You can email them to me at my email address, Dana at DearHawkHealing.com. Be sure to put Ask a Wayfinder in the subject line. I want to also take a moment to give thanks to teach.fm for the support of this podcast. I say this to new mom versus old habits and to everyone out there. Be kind to yourself, y'all. You deserve it.